Okay, well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Innovations in Education. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large for eSchool News. I'm glad you found us here, uh, especially glad that you found this episode, a third in a three-part series of our grand prize winners. Uh, these are districts that have won the inaugural 2021 Hero Awards. Um, these awards came from this podcast series that I've been doing with eSchool News, where we're looking at best practices in school districts, you know, primarily on response to the pandemic, but really any other sort of uh, ideas or techniques or strategies uh, that districts have been doing in this time to uh, help instruct. But uh, as you know, as unfortunate as it is, um, it's really about protecting students uh, in these, these past couple of years is, is obviously the, the primary goal. Uh, with us today, uh, Barrett uh, Pushchus, did I do Pushes. it right? Pushchus, right, P see? Pushes. I told Pushes. you I'd, I told you I'd mess it up. Uh, and, uh, Barrett is at uh, Brevard Public Schools in, in Florida. And also with us today, Jaron Nichols from PDQ. Jaron, Barrett, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just want to get started by uh, talking about the fact that we had dozens of submissions uh, from uh, companies um, that work with eSchool News where we asked them, you know, what were some examples of your customers, of your districts doing just extraordinary things uh, during this extraordinary time? And um, there are a number of kind of themes that would pop out uh, from a lot of the submissions. Digital equity, of course, was, was a big one. Uh, another uh, one was just about access and broadband access and how that used to be kind of a conceptual thing and now it's a, a real thing. Uh, but third um, was the idea of cybersecurity. And now BP, before the pandemic, as I like to call it, cybersecurity was number one, I think, on, on, the, on the list of concerns uh, for tech directors uh, in my conversations. And while many were waylaid by the pandemic, obviously, it remains a concern. And uh, Barrett, your story uh, kind of, you know, is a, a perfect example of that. And if you indulge me for a minute, I'm going to read a bit from the submission that talks about basically what you had to, to deal with. So um, this was back in October of 2020. Uh, and then you got hit. Um, you, once you got the notifications, immediately called the rest of your team working many of them up so they could shut the entire system down. You worked over the next several weeks to evict intruders from the system. Then working closely with the district cybersecurity insurance company to find the exact point of entry for the malware that infected uh, the system. Um, that, and that was enabled by phishing. You worked across a district of 74,000 students. I mean, this isn't a charter school out in, the, in some sort of rural area. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's yeah. a huge population, right? And 10,000 staff to tighten security protocols and prevent another incident. Uh, in fact, earlier in the year, that same group of hackers tried to attack the system again. And your IT team worked for a week to protect the district. So uh, extraordinary story, want to get into the weeds of it. I guess the first question I have over years of writing and talking about cybersecurity, just the fact that you are brave enough to talk about it at all says something about the work that you do. Uh, usually educators love to share their best practices. They used to love to talk about um, you know, how they've improved their district scores or they've improved this or that. 
You get to cybersecurity, people are like, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't talk about it. So as we do start to talk about it, uh, give me your feedback from that time and, and, and what that uh, situation was like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as far as talking about it, you know, we can't, we don't, we don't succeed uh, in isolation and we shouldn't fail in isolation. So we, this is kind of a tale of both. Uh, we were notified of the, of the event and we, we jumped on it and we, uh, we kicked them out. We got them out before the ransom happened. But it really opened our eyes to just how vulnerable we are, how vulnerable we are and how easy it was for them to get in. Uh, they didn't exploit some zero day issue on one of our external servers. They didn't have any clever IP6 attacks or anything like that. They just sent an attachment to somebody in accounts receivable, accounts payable, and, uh, and they opened it and uh, our antivirus blocked it. So she replied to the email and said, hey, it didn't work. You know, uh, so he tried. Uh, he tried the change up, and the change up got through. <laughs> um, yeah, so they established persistence, and they were in our system for uh, probably 45, 60 days before we knew anything. Um, just doing the recon, you know, all the stuff you read about today about the the lead up to the attack, where they uh, try to spread their uh, you know lateral movement and spreading their persistence and trying to get data that's you know worth selling and uh yeah i think thankfully we we found out about it and got them out ahead of time we weren't one of the stories where we were ransomed and uh you know having to restore from backups or anything like that thank goodness yeah we'll talk about um your kind of path to get where you were that you're able to identify and actually engage them right i mean there are a lot of districts that, that weren't that far along in terms of their recognition of the need for that sort of protection. Sure. So, um, you know, we we partner with uh, you know Microsoft and PDQ, and we we use a combination of uh, software and and scripting and just people to try to keep an eye on things. But my core group uh, at the network level uh, is very small; it's a dozen people, and uh, as such, we all wear a lot of hats. And uh, everyone, it's a very agile group. So I don't have one person that's in charge of servers and one person that's in charge of the firewall and one person isn't, you know, everyone does everything. So when it was time to act, we were able to get everybody moving pretty quickly. Um, and it was nice to have a dozen experts uh, on the calls rather than just, you know, my firewall guy, my storage guy and so forth. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah, and, so and, and talk a little bit about that relationship between Microsoft and PDQ, or actually maybe I'll ask Darren first to maybe you can talk a little bit about from your side, how, um, well, first of all, you have many different customers with many different stories. What was it about Brevard that, uh, that prompted you folks to nominate them as, uh, you know, as a finalist and then ultimately as a winner for the hero awards? Yeah. Great question, Kevin. So, I mean, at PDQ, K-12 education is something that is one of our strengths, um, kind of one of our key industries. And so we have over 2,000 customers today. Um, what stands out with Barrett, I mean, first off, Barrett has a remarkable experience, and I'm sure you've heard about that, and he shared a little bit now. Um, but really what stood out to us, if we're going to be successful, and as he said, isolation is not the way to be successful. And we think of this as a larger community. And Barrett has been a champion to really share both his experience but even more important maybe is the best practices to either mitigate that experience if, you, if anyone else has it 
or stop it from happening. And so as we've worked with Barrett, um, you know, he's been key for us to understanding how can we share those best practices to other customers, um, but to the community at large. And that's really why we wanted to put, um, give that award or at least nominate Barrett from our standpoint is just his ability to champion those ideas. Like one, one kind of thought on that too is, you know, these security threats, Barrett mentioned, some of them are innovating really fast and some of them aren't. But, but there is like no isolation there. They, they are sharing best practices and what works and what doesn't work. And you know that if someone's vulnerable, someone's gonna share that on their side. We wanna make sure that we're doing it on the secure side of things too. So we can patch our own kind of insecurities or, or issues that we have. Yeah. Well, so when I look at these uh, cybersecurity issues, uh, there seem to be two sides of the coin, right? There's one, they're enterprise management, uh, kind of old school corporate, you know, firewall, protect the server. Uh, as you said, Barrett, just kind of like that, just kind of like a, a battle of algorithms, we'd yeah. say, right? And then you had the other side of the coin, which is the softer side, like the, the behavioral, the, the importance of uh, data security literacy when it comes to administration and staff and students, and now parents, right? When you have remote setups and hybrid setups. What, talk a little bit about what, how you uh, emphasize those two different sides of the coin. So that's tough, especially as I said, we've got a small group. So tools like PDQ help us handle the, the algorithm side. We can keep things patched. We can query to see what has what uh, vulnerability still or what has which software on it, um, what versions we're running. All the, uh, all the boring stuff, I call it the nerd stuff, the stuff that'll put most people to sleep, right? Um, and tool, tools like BDQ make that doable for a group like mine. Um, and I've got other, you know, besides my network group, I've got a tech at all the schools and they're the primary users. They keep all the workstations up to date and all their school servers up to date. But then the people, you know, we're a big organization. As you said, I think we're right around 10,000 uh, employees and uh, any organization that has 10,000 employees has turnover. So keeping employees trained, keeping it's a, it's a constant task, just keeping everybody aware. So, um, you know, we're, just, we're trying the stuff that had previously been off limits. Uh, you know, now it's, now it's all on the table. We've expanded password requirements. We're doing multi-factor authentication across the board. Uh, everybody um, from, a, you know, a, a teacher to a district-wide administrator, everyone's using multi-factor. Uh, we're launching, launching um, phishing simulations, and that's kind of fun. You got to put on your black hoodie, and then you design up a a quick little fish and toss it out to a group of people and see, see if you, you know, our group competes to see what percentage they can get of, uh, of responses. So. What's interesting, Bear, I, I think like, it's almost like over the last few years, you've been really successful at having this conversation. You being generally were successful at having this conversation with system administrators. It, it's that next layer, Kevin, and why we appreciate these conversations. It's helpful is how do you have it with the teachers? How do you have it with the account table clerk? How are they becoming part of this conversation um, so that it's not just the stress is on you, but each one of those are breaking points. And, you know, I love that example of having phishing simulators or something that puts them in that day-to-day, uh, -day, this is what could happen at any moment. I need to be aware of this conversation that's going on and aware of best practices. And I'll be honest, um, those groups seeing this happen firsthand, like it, since it came in to our accounting department, uh, the, the first response team gave us machine names and we sent people physically over there to physically isolate them from the network and bring them back to our data center. So you've got this row of cubicles with various accountants in there and two or three people go over there and just 
just completely disconnect the computer and walk away with it and come back an hour later and grab the one next to it and walk away with it. It's a, it opens everybody's eyes and it gets the leadership talking. And so, so we're talking from our end, the techs at the schools are talking to the teachers and now the leadership's talking. Um, our CIO is doing his best to bring it up at, at their cabinet meetings every week, just to have something to say about cybersecurity somewhere just to keep on everyone's mind because it's, let's face it, it's become a multi-billion dollar industry um, and any industry that's in the multi-billion dollar uh, range isn't going to stop just because, yeah, we're kind of tired of that. Or maybe they strengthened their defenses a little bit. They're going to keep coming. Yeah, it's true. And, and the bigger the dollar value, the more talented people get at doing it too. It attracts kind of yeah. nefarious talent in that sense. Like, you know, I, I grew up in, in uh, and went to school in, in Utah and we used to have um, earthquake drills where as a student, you'd hear the, the sirens go off and you'd get under your desk and I knew what to do. And it just made me laugh when you kind of said, what are some of the things that you do for teachers? And, and yeah, going through the real experience, you don't want every school district to do that, but maybe no. a drill, maybe a simulation is the right approach or one of the approaches. Yeah. Well, it's almost, it's almost like you, you need to create uh, a culture of paranoia a little bit that you don't, you don't trust You just don't trust yeah. anything that's in your inbox, right? Because the phishing does get more and more uh, sophisticated uh, as, as we go along, and then their ability to get people's names and, and to make them personalized, um, you know, would, would fool anybody. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll talk now about uh, that you you kind of are a, a grizzled uh, veteran of, of battling these these sort of things. What sort of advice would you give districts who um, let's say are a little bit further behind than you are, maybe even haven't started? They might have the technology in hand, but they're not applying it. You know, you talk about Microsoft, there are a lot of tools there that I know that might be just sitting there uh, not being uh, employed. Talk, give them some advice. So that's tough because those things take time uh, and they take people hours. And typically in education, that's where you're short. Um, you know, uh, our techs, they're not the ones educating the students. So we're nothing but a, a burden on the, on the payroll from, from that point of view, from the mission. Uh, it is important to keep everybody safe and keep everything going. So I would say you've got to budget your time just like you would budget your dollars. Um, you've got to look at your time and say, you know, what's important. Yes, uh, putting out the fires is important, but you have to have time to be proactive, uh, to analyze your security posture, and to you have to set aside time to continuously try to improve it. It doesn't have to be weeks and weeks at a time. It can be, you know, two hours every third Friday, but something. You've got to because if it's not in the front of your mind, how can it be in the front of everyone else's mind or even on their mind? Um, so I would say just budget your time towards set goals, budget your time, just like you budget your money. One, one thought, like one thing that I think Brett, Barrett and I, you and I have talked about is, yeah, I mean, obviously Brevard has like 75,000 students and 10,000 you know, staff. So it's, it's large, right? But it can literally happen to any school district. We've had seen very small ones, this type of thing happen to. So like to your point, like budgeting your time like you would your money is, is a good approach. I mean, it's it's not just education. Like you got to make sure you have monitoring set up. You got to make sure you have the tools. Like don't neglect one of them. And the best way to see if you're neglecting is see if you're spending time on it or see if, it, if you have, you know, some resource that you're using to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit more about the um, that, that first side of the coin, the algorithm side of the coin. Um, what sort of specialization does your team have to have when you're talking about interacting with, with Microsoft and PDQ? Talk about the dynamic um, 
you know, in the submission, in the contest submission, you know, you you were at home, you get this, you get this uh, warning sign. You're like, wow, well, you know, I'm listening to music. I'm outside. But, but then it like, it became real. Give us the dynamic going forward with that and, and how that works with different providers. So, um, yeah, the PDQ side is honestly the easiest thing to manage. They've got the auto deployments and they'll keep an eye on your run times and keep them up to date if you want it, if you want it to, if you set it up that way. Um, that is a huge help. Like when the response team came in and did their forensics, they're like, you know, you are impressively patched. And I was like, well, that's, that's quite the compliment. Um, now the Microsoft side is a little more complex. Uh, you know, some people have worked with system center and now it's in, or then it was in tune and then it's endpoint management. So they're, they're a moving target. They're evolving quickly and they've got this massive suite of products that they're evolving uh, at this pace. So uh, it's tough to, it's tough for my administrators to keep up with it. You know, the, we, our joke is the admin portal is never the same one twice. You go to it today and it's different than when it was yesterday. Um, so, so again, with that, it's just about being diligent. It's about just taking the time and, uh, you know, handle what you can correctly. You know, you got to control the things you can control. And it, a lot of it comes down to patching. A lot of it comes down to rules. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, um, that you can do that a lot of people don't know they can do, like in the Office 365 suite, you, if you have a certain licensing level, I think, uh, you can block logins that don't originate from within a certain country. So we've blocked all non-American logins. We haven't had a single person complain about it. Everyone that goes on vacation to Spain isn't trying to check their email, you know? <laughs> so, so that's been a, a huge thing. And now we get these alerts saying that there's some sort of a potential impossible travel scenario. And we look at it, and since it originated out of country, they never got in. Um, when that password list got that, what was it, two, 2 billion passwords got released a few months ago, we saw a huge uptick in just straight up brute force, just going through the alphabet, right through our list of people who had names and passwords on that list. Now we had, of course, forced a password change and uh, enabled the multi-factor and all that, but it was still locking our accounts out. When we enable, when we restricted the logins by country, all of a sudden we're not getting the lockouts. So there's just a lot of stuff you can do in there, and uh, it's tough. You know, you, you can take classes, you can engage the sales team. The sales teams are usually really helpful at showing you all the cool stuff that other people are doing. But really, it's just collaborating with other districts and other people who are in your spot. Um, you know, sh knowledge sharing that's that's huge. Well, and it certainly seems that it's a um part of the job description now that maybe you weren't intending when you first got into the business uh, of managing uh, school district <laughs> networks. Uh, it sounds like something out of a Tom Clancy novel now, right? <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's not what I imagined. I was very new to this position when that happened. I wasn't new to the district, but new to the position. And when it happened, I was like, oh man, trial by fire yeah. too, because, you know, we just sent everybody home with COVID for, for, for COVID. So then, and then this, you know, it was just a lot. Well, uh, obviously by the, the nomination uh, with, with Jared and PDQ and uh, by the descriptions of the work and your ability to, uh, to, to fend off uh, these miscreants, uh, it's uh, kudos to you. Congratulations uh, for the work you're doing to protect your students and your, and your families. And uh, congratulations to PDQ for, for, for helping uh, uh, Brevard uh, fend these folks off too and all the districts that you do. A, a great conversation. I appreciate the insights um, that you're sharing with our readers. 
Thank you. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give a huge shout out to my team. I know I mentioned them a lot in this, but I, we wouldn't be where we are today without the great team of people we've got. Having the great people is the key. Absolutely. It sounds like you had a real good first responder uh, SEAL team there <laughs> to yeah. go at it, right? Yeah. So, well, well, thanks again. Appreciate time, Jared. Appreciate uh, your efforts as well. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Barrett. And thanks, everyone, for uh, watching this uh, or listening to this episode of Innovations in Education. I'm Kevin Hogan. I hope you click around and find another one soon.